Welcome back to another episode of Brewers Babes, a Milwaukee Brewers and baseball fan podcast for babes by babes. I'm Erin. I'm Lisa. Spring training games are now in full swing, and we have a lot to say about what we're seeing on the field in Phoenix. And we're also excited to take you through all of our recurring podcast segments on this episode. But before we do that, we first want to thank our sponsor, our friends at Numbers Game. Numbers Game is a Wisconsin-based company, and they make durable baseball scorebooks for baseball fans. Aaron and I both have one of these books. We've been using them throughout spring training, and it is not easy to score a spring training game at all because of all of the different roster changes, but this book still makes it fun. It has so many different sections where you can pick and choose what you want to score, what's important to you. I really like keeping track of men left on base. So there's a space for that. There's a space for RBIs. There's a space for what uniforms they're wearing. So whatever you're looking for to pay more attention to at the baseball game, this book has got you covered. So make sure you're ready for the season and get your Numbers Game scorebook today. Check them out at numbersgame.co. That's numbersgame.co. And if you use the promo code BABES at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. And plus they're throwing in some special swag just for listeners of the Brewers Babes podcast. So thanks, Numbers Game. We are going to move on to our first segment, What's Brewing? This is where we will give updates on changes happening in the roster, any injuries, any rule changes, and anything happening around the league that needs some attention. Let's start with injuries. We have a couple of new injury updates for our guys. The first is Aaron Ashby. He's out for a while with a shoulder injury, Aaron. That's right. Aaron Ashby is out with a shoulder injury. We thought he was going to be out until mid-May, but now it's looking like it's going to be more like June. So it seems like it's a little more serious than they had originally thought. Um, So as a result, we're going to be seeing Ethan Small in the bullpen as one of two lefty reliever options for us. So we should expect to see him getting some playing time at the start of the season while we wait for Ashby to get healthy. The other injury we have to report is Tyrone Taylor is out with a right elbow strain. We thought he was only going to be out for a couple of weeks, but it turns out that his injury is also more serious than they had originally thought. And now they're saying that it's possible that he'll miss the entire first month of the regular season. So he underwent a PRP injection in his elbow, just like the one Ashby got in his shoulder, which means he'll need a few weeks to recover from that and then rehab. But the good news is we've been seeing a lot of really great work from some of our outfielding depth in spring training games so far. South Freelick and Garrett Mitchell are both hitting the ball and fielding really well. And we also have Joey Weimer and Jesse Winker who could fill a spot too if needed. Yeah, our outfield is looking pretty good. I feel good about it. I do wish TT gets well soon because I like seeing him on the field. Definitely. Love that smile. Yeah. And then how about Willie Adamas? We are still waiting on any kind of extension talks, and it's starting to look a little bit grim. Look, we are going to be waiting a long time for extension talks. I don't think they're going to happen. I don't think Willie Adamas is going to get extended to the disappointment of every single Brewers fan. But he did an interview in the locker room a couple of weeks ago, maybe like a week and a half ago, and he said, look, I see the shortstops in the league making these dollars. Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson, Xander Bogarts, just raking in dollars that they rightfully deserve. Willie said, I wish I could play in Milwaukee. I wish I could stay here. And when I heard him say that, what I heard was him saying, 
I know that I have priced myself out of this market and that this team isn't going to pay me what I know I can make. So understandable on his part, like he deserves everything. He's a fantastic shortstop. He's a fantastic all around person to have on your team. I don't think we're going to get the extension that we all think he deserves here. It's a real bummer. It's a super bummer. No matter what happens, I think Willie Adamas has brought in fans that would not have been fans without him here. He has definitely changed the way people look at the Brewers. He's been a part of some amazing teams, and he has given life to the locker room and the dugout in ways that they absolutely needed. And I hope that people are able to carry that on if he leaves. And I'm 100% going to cry if that happens. Oh my God, me too. God, no kidding. I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. (laughs) I don't want to think about it. All right, let's change the subject then. Just got one quick update from around the league. Another thing on the list of things that umpires are going to be heavily policing this season is they're going to be cracking down on the use of sticky stuff more than they have in seasons past. Just a few things that that means. Starting pitchers are going to have randomized hand checks instead of checks following the same inning each game. Umpires are going to go back to also checking hats, gloves, and belts. And then the major difference this year is that if an umpire notices that a pitcher is frequently touching the same places on his jersey, hat, or body, they can stop the game, walk to the mound, and check him right then and there. So no pressure to pitchers who already have all kinds of stuff that are on their minds. Not that we want them to be using any illegal substances, but oh my God, when you're trying to do all of these other things that are differently this season, on top of that, try not to touch your hat too much because an umpire might just come out there and demand to see if you're using anything. So whatever. Not that they're going to have time to touch their hats anyway in between getting a sign from their catcher and throwing a pitch. (laughs) (laughs) this is is dumb they tried this last year where they like oh we started it last year but we're gonna be different about it this year we're gonna do it more because when they first implemented this last year there was a lot of pat downs and like straight up groping you know Mm -hmm. like i remember a pitcher i forget who it was but somebody ended up just like taking his shirt off and getting all pissed on the mound i mean like fucking i remember umpires going through people's hair like they were at the zoo or something it was ridiculous like I didn't realize that they only check starters at the end of certain innings and it's always the same one and apparently batters were complaining that like okay for the first however many innings it was it was fine and then after that you know the spin started getting better or whatever you know what I mean so apparently this was part of it was brought on by like complaints from batters that if you're not randomizing checking pitchers hands then they if they know when to expect the check, then they're going to work around it. I mean, I get it. I get why they're doing it. I just I brace a little bit at the thought of giving umpires any more power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I know. Exactly. I, just, I don't like it. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, we shouldn't be using illegal substances, but come the fuck on. Like, come on. Right. All right. So that's what's brewing. So we're going to move on to our next segment, which is called View from the Euchre Seats. And in this segment, we'll give you some recaps of what we've been seeing on the field. Obviously, we've got spring training games. We actually have some games to talk about. And we're very excited about that. And Lisa was there. So let's hear all about your spring training experience. Oh, my gosh. So it was the first time I was at spring training since 2020 when I didn't actually get to see the Brewers play because they canceled every game the day after we got there. And we had to just go home. So we were there in Phoenix for five days Aaron, I missed you so much. I think I texted you like six times a day. Being like, Aaron, I missed you. I wish you were here. <laughs> I know. I appreciated it, but I was also like, okay, little little <laughs> bit of FOMO, just saying. 
Super happy you met Willie Zamas. Really happy for you. Really liked that (laughs) selfie of you and Brent Suter. I did. (laughs) I did get Willie's autograph on my numbers game scorebook, which has a very durable cover and was great for getting autographs. Um, But yeah, we were there for five days. The first day we were there, we went to just the Brewers practice fields. We saw pitchers practice. They came out. Freddie Peralta just dazzled me silly with this big old smile right away. It was lovely. We also saw infield practice. I watched Brian Anderson at third base with Urias at second, and they both looked really good. Brian Anderson's arm was way better than I thought it was. Like from a distance, I didn't know it was him. And we were like, who, who is that? Because he threw for distance, he threw for accuracy, and he threw hard. Also... You know Urias is my favorite, has been for years, and dude got ripped in the offseason. Like, that man I know he is different. fit. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is. Got, he got, like, buff, and now he's got, like, the swagger. Like, he knows it, which I love. So that was fun. <laughs> that was fun to see. Um, we also we went to a, the Mariners-Padres game, so we got to see Colton Wong's first at-bat in a Mariner oh. uniform. It was nice to see Colton. And we also saw the first pitch clock infraction in person when Manny Machado had his pitch clock infraction. We had no idea what had happened, though. Like, we're just like, what was that? No, nobody knew what had happened. So we saw it, but we didn't realize we saw it until a little while later. Um, what else? We went to the we went to the first Brewers game against the Dodgers which was great. The Brewers won it. It was so nice to be at a ball game and the sun was warm that day and the game was good and the beer was cold and it was just like, (laughs) baseball, baseball. It was also the first time. Yeah. It was also the first time seeing the pitch clock in action up close for us, which we can talk about later. But first, we will talk about it later. (laughs) First up, the (laughs) highlight the highlight of my spring training. We went to the Brewers Rockies game as I knew we were going to do because Jamie is a big Rockies fan. And so we always try to go to a Rockies game. And while we were there, we got there a little bit early and some of the Rockies players were down by the baseline talking to fans. And I happened to wander down over there and see our fave Brent Suter down there. So I was like, do I go? Do I go? I was like, yeah. So I just kind of like raced down there. He was, ta- he was, he was doing autographs on balls for kids. And I was like, <laughs> like can I get a selfie? <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah. So he finishes all these like children, you know, that rightfully deserve to <laughs> go in front of me. And then so we take this selfie and I don't know why I said this, but I was like, my friend and I have a podcast and we did an episode about you. (laughs) And he goes, oh, yeah, my dad sent that to me. I listened to it. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I said, oh, I think I said, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) Oh, my God. He said, he said, no, but it really meant a lot for me. Thank you so much. And I was like, well, you meant a lot to Milwaukee and to us. Thank you. And at that moment, I was just like, I got to go before I just like ruined this moment. I, just, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even say bye. I, was just, I think I just turned around and like ran just up. Just ran stairs. away. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like, I like texted you. <laughs> you sent me a selfie. You just sent me the selfie of the two of you. And I was just like, oh, my God, Lisa, like, of course. And he looks so good. His smile is so big. And I was like, oh, man, and you look so happy. And then you were like, Aaron, hey, listen, 
And I think I texted you back in all, the, all caps, shut the fuck up right now. And then just, no. <laughs> and then you called me and I was freaking out. My kids were like, what's wrong, mom? <laughs> I was like, going to listen to our podcast. <laughs> it's amazing, I though. I am so glad. I would not have. I, I don't think that I would have had the guts to tell him or ask him about it. I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad you I don't know that. what came over me. I also well, I haven't listened to that. <laughs> I haven't listened to that podcast since it came out. So that night I was like, let me give a listen to this. I'm just going to say I will never listen to it again. <laughs> I was like, I'm, there's no way I can go listen to this now knowing that he's heard it. Like, We meant every word. I hope he continues to listen and I hope other yeah. players continue to listen too. But that was a cool moment. I'm so happy for you. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that happened. <laughs> I want to go next year. Now I'm like, I got to like go to see the Rockies play when they're in D.C. and try to go to batting practice or something and see. I can be like, hey, I'm the other Brewers, babe. <laughs> can I get a selfie? <laughs> what I do remember about that first episode, though, is I was like, now we're not going to be talking about him that much anymore. And you're like, I think we we can still talk about him. I'm like, yeah, we probably will. <laughs> and Non-stop. We and we do. Every, every chance we get. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so definitely the big things that we were excited about seeing in spring training, besides like you getting the opportunity to go, is seeing how these rule changes have played out. So I have lots to say about the pitch clock, as most people do, as like a lot of the internet does and my other friends who pay attention to baseball. Do we want to dive right into that or should we talk about um, what we've noticed with the shift ban and bigger bases first? Let's talk about let's talk about the clock. It's the the main thing, right? How do you feel yeah. about it now that you've seen it in action, Aaron? I still hate it. I still hate it. Okay, I watched the first game and I tried to score it and I forgot about how hard like scoring a spring training game is anyway, because it's a new pitcher every inning, like the lineup changes, you know, a bunch of times. So like trying to keep up is is already difficult. So taking that into consideration, I still felt like it was so rushed. I just felt like it went so, so fast, like my head was spinning. You know what I mean? And that game, that first game was two hours and 21 minutes long. That is so short. That shaved 40 minutes off of a typical length of a game. And it just, it left me, like I said, it just left me feeling like stressed out. I am sure that I will get accustomed to the pace a little bit more, but I still really don't like it. And I've been thinking a lot about it. And I, I've talked before about the natural rhythm of a baseball game, the, the rhythm of an at-bat. This feels really rushed to me. It feels more robotic. It doesn't feel as natural. And one of the things that upsets me about it is that, like, I liked the pace of the ball game before. I liked that it felt leisurely. And I like other sports. I mean, I watch football but the pace is completely different, but it's because it's a different fucking sport. It's not the same yeah. sport. So if you want to sit and see short, fast bursts of energy, football is a good sport to watch for you. If you want to see nonstop guys just zipping around constantly, watch fucking hockey. You know, why are we trying to change baseball to make it more like these other faster paced sports? It's a different fucking game. It's not the same game. And those games have built in breaks for you. You have ends of quarters and periods and halves to go buy your fucking popcorn. You have you st still mad then <laughs> to go. By, yeah, I'm still mad. You got these built in breaks to go buy your popcorn, to go to the bathroom, to get your beer, to take your kid to the, you know, wherever the kids play spot is at the stadium or whatever. We don't have that in baseball. So if you don't want to miss a minute of your game and any of those other sports, they have built in time for you to go take care of the things you need to take care of. In baseball, you're going to be you're going to be missing parts of the game. 
But now I'm missing way more of it because you've sped up the action without building in time for me to like get the other things done that I want to get done when I'm at the ballpark. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it does. It's it's a different game. I don't I don't feel like the pace needs to be messed with. Maybe I'll get used to it, but I after watching a couple of weeks of spring training games and I know it's new, maybe I will get accustomed to it, but for now I st- I still really hate it. I don't like it. I don't feel like the pace needed to be messed with in the first place, so it's going to take me a while to come around to this. So seeing it in person, it was very fast at first. I think like 20 seconds, 25 seconds I would be more comfortable with to have like a happy medium there. The thing that I hated the most about it was seeing the clock because I don't know how it was on TV, but at the game, there was four different countdown clocks. So anywhere you looked, you were seeing a clock. I I hated seeing it. I missed a couple of base runners breaking away to steal because I was focused on watching if the batter was looking up at eight Mm. seconds. I don't want to see the clock. I think if there's an infraction then you can show the replay and then we can all decide if it was an actual infraction. But I don't want to see the clock. That really, really, really bothered me. I didn't hate it for the reason I thought I was most going to hate it, which is that it puts too much pressure on the pitchers, which is what we talked about in our rules change episode. I think what we're noticing with these spring training games is that it seems to be coming less about the clock putting pressure on the pitchers and more about the pitchers using it to pressure the batters. Like the first Mm -hmm. infraction was a batter infraction, right? So when you think about it, it's like the reason the pace was slowing down so much was because of the batters, right? It was all their rituals. Remember Ryan Braun like adjusting his gloves Mm -hmm. after every pitch, every time he took a pitch. And batters can't do that anymore. So once they're in the box, the pitcher owns them with this pitch clock. And then like sure. once the batter becomes a runner, then the power dynamic shifts because the runner can step off and try to force the pitcher to use up a disengagement, right? So I I do like the balance of the power shift with this rule. Hmm. I don't care for how fast it is right now. And I still don't know what the actual goal is because like MLB says, if this goal here is to bring in new fans, I don't think this is going to accomplish that because all it does is make a rule more complicated and kind of suffocates one of the best parts of summer, which is just like a slow pace of play. But Mm -hmm. for strategy of the game, I I don't hate it. That's an interesting point. You know, we've seen pitchers get rattled by trying to work the clock in different ways. Um, Max Scherzer on March 3rd, he had a whole fucked up inning where like he got charged with a balk for trying to quick pitch. And then moments later, he got a double play erased for waiting too long to get the ball out of his hands. Two seconds, by the way, two seconds too long. Yeah. So we can talk about that in a second. But like we, we have seen pitchers get rattled and messed up from something that comes from a pitch clock infraction. Corbin Burns used up his two pickoff attempts in his first spring training game and I don't know if that got in his head but he I think he walked a go-ahead runner I don't know if if the fact that he was like worried about the pickoff thing rattled him in some way I feel like we've seen issues that are associated with these pitch clock rules get into pitchers heads yeah I am I'm annoyed about the Scherzer thing because of this so Scherzer he pitched the ball after 22 seconds instead of 20 right and then the play played out It was a double play. That whole time happened. And then they had to go back and be like, no, no. Now we have to go redo all of this bullshit, you know, because of two seconds. So what's taking longer? You know, the fact that it took him two more seconds to get the ball out of his hands or the fact that now we have to go replay all of this stuff and talk about the infraction and then like, you know, score runners and then put guys back on base where they're supposed to be and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, 
Pace of play, maybe I can get used to it. This different dynamic that you're describing, maybe I can get into it. It's spring training. It's been two weeks. Pitchers are going to get used to it. Batters are going to get used to it. People are going to adjust what they're doing. And, you know, the world is going to go on, right? But here's what really fucking pissed me off. This pitch clock infraction that ended the Braves-Red Sox game on February 25th. So let me set the scene for you. It's a tied ball game. And it's spring training, so they don't do extra innings. So games end in ties. Bottom of the ninth. The bases are loaded. There's two outs, and it's a 3-2 count. The perfect can you storm. Think, can you think of a more high-stress situation for a batter to be in or a pitcher? A fourth ball was thrown by the Red Sox reliever, but instead of walking in the winning run, Cal Conley was called out on strikes because he wasn't engaged with the at-bat. He was in the box, but he wasn't engaged because his head was not turned towards the pitcher at the eight-second mark. So this ended the ball game in a tie instead of in a walk-off walk for the Braves. Nobody wants this. Who <laughs> wants this? Fucking nobody. Nobody wants this. What I want is for this man to have enough time to take a fucking breath. Can you imagine this happening in a regular season game or a postseason game? Ending a fucking rally? The bases are fucking loaded. They're trying to rally, man. They're going to rally and fucking walk off this game. How fucking exciting is that? Nope. Nope. You waited too long to get engaged with the at-bat. Nobody wants that. People booed. I'm booing right now. Fuck this shit. If this is how it's going to (laughs) be, I am angry. If this is how it's going to be, fuck it. No, I I can get used to the pace. I can get used to the power dynamic. Fuck this. I know. I know it's spring training. Like It's spring training. They're getting used to it, and they're testing things out, right? Like Scherzer is mad, and... Uh, like, I think we had this conversation, like, which pitcher is going to, like, throw down and get super pissed off first. And obviously it was going to be Max Scherzer. Like, well, nobody, funny because everybody knew that. He, but, like, he was the one who was like, I got the pitch calm on my on my glove. I, he was like, I'm going to fucking play this shit. Like, he was out there being all cocky about what he was going to do. And, and then and then that happened to him. Of course they're going to push it. Of course they're going to test it. They're going to iron out kinks. They're going to see how far they can push it. Even Burns said that, right? He said he has been enjoying playing with the clock. He wants to make betters uncomfortable and figure out how to use the clock to do that. And if anybody can do that, it is Corbin Burns because that dude knows how to make tweaks, how to make adjustments. He knows how to go in the mm-hmm. pitch lab and be very precise and figure it out. Like that's how he became the phenom that he is. So I think Burns is going to have some fun with the clock. What I don't understand yet is it seems to be like it's kind of like a Bach rule. Like nobody knows exactly what it is. But sometimes an ump calls it and you can see it and sometimes you can't. Like, Wandy Peralta had a 20-second strikeout the other day. He mm-hmm. – did you watch it? It was yeah. bonkers. Mm-hmm. Like, he set so quick and then as soon as the batter looked up, he threw the pitch and he had three strikeouts in 20 seconds. It blew my mind and it made MLB send a memo to the clubs <laughs> to be like, uh, when we did the pitch clock rule, we didn't mean for pitchers to do it like this. So, mm-hmm. like, so let's figure out what it is. But that's what spring train is for. Like, none of these games are real and they don't. They're I know. here for us to test it and to iron out the kinks. And I kind of like seeing how they're getting around this dumbness of this rule to make it a fun game again. Hmm. Like I said, it's still too short for my preferred pace of play i do like the longer slower games but i also think that you know lots of people used to leave in the seventh inning because they couldn't stay the whole game i think maybe people might stay for the whole game now and end up like leaving at the same time because they got cut off 
<laughs> at the seventh inning. <laughs> Jamie did go to get me a beer while we were watching the Dodgers game, and he came back and he had missed like two innings. But it was yeah. also the first. It was also the first game, and everybody was, you know, everybody's at spring training, so they're all trying to figure out their stuff and everything. But I was like, dude, you missed a lot. So I don't know. We'll see Is how it-, it goes. I don't hate it as much as I thought I was gonna hate it. I hate I seeing it. I hate seeing it. I don't want to see the clock. I don't want to see it, and I don't want it to go any shorter at all Mm-mm. quick note about corbin burns who we were just talking about he was using the pitch calm system from his glove which last year if you remember catchers had the opportunity to use that to send pitch calls audibly to the pitcher now the pitcher can do it to the catcher so he called his own game he called all of his own pitches for those two innings um so he was asked about it afterwards and he was like yeah you know i'm just testing it out i can use it now I'm just going to try it to see how the pace goes and using it with the pitch clock and stuff like that. And he was like, I have so much faith in William Contreras. I'm going to let him call games. I trust him. He's a great catcher. He knows what he's doing. And I want that relationship to work that way. So even though he's using it in spring training, it was not an indication that he's going to call his games in the future. And it's because he has he thinks William Contreras is great. So that's sweet. That's nice. Do you think that since there's no not a lot of time for catchers to call plays that pitchers are going to be using that tech a lot more. And does, what does that mean for like sign stealing? I don't know. I mean, you know, they brought it on to, I guess, to avoid sign stealing last year for catchers to be able to call. And a lot of pitchers don't use have said they don't use it at all, unless there's a runner on second, you know, they still prefer to receive signs from the catcher, but I'm seeing a lot of pitchers who are trying out calling it from the opposite way in spring training. And I've seen some examples of pitchers trying to, shake off signs from the catcher and then they run out of time like that's that's happened a few times and so it's like with the pace of it either you got to get faster at recognizing the signs and shaking them off or you got to find a different way to do it so (sighs) anyway I still hate it I still hate it a lot of people still hate it I'd have no choice but to try to get used to it and we'll see what happens over the next couple weeks and in the regular season but for right now I still fucking hate it and I know that like that Red Sox Braves game that made me very upset like People are like, it's spring training. The whole point is that it happens now instead of in a postseason game. And I'm like, but what if it does? Like, nobody wants that. That's all I'm saying. Nobody wants it would be cool if they're like, don't have it for the ninth inning. Okay, but, but here's my problem inning. with that, though. My problem with that is if you if you are saying this could affect the outcome of game if we do it in the ninth inning, then we shouldn't do it for the whole game. I said the same <laughs> thing about ghost runners in the regular season versus the postseason. Because you're admitting that, like, this affects the outcome of a game. Then then we got to make all these rules about, okay, well, what's a high leverage situation? What's a low leverage situation? Is it after this many innings? Is it if this team is up by this many runs? Is it, you know, is it only in a 3-2 count? Is it only when there's two outs? You know what I mean? Like now we got a thousand more rules to figure out how to make this rule not suck. Am I right? You always knew the ghost runner was going to affect the outcome of the game. Like you can't put a guy in second and have it not affect the outcome of the game. Mm -hmm. I I hate the ghost runner anyway. Right. And so we were saying last time, it's like, why do we have it in the regular season but not the postseason? Because we don't want to affect the outcome. Well, that's the whole reason you put them on there. So if, if it's not good enough for the postseason, why is it good enough for the regular season? I think you'll come around to the pitch clock eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think you'll come around to replay eventually. (laughs) Never. (laughs) All right. How about some of the other rule changes besides the pitch clock? Let's talk about the shift ban. Love it. You you love it. Yeah. So you don't hate all change. No, I don't hate change. I just hate change that sucks. 
I think base running for sure is more fun. It means that small ball has a bigger impact now, which is better for our guys. I saw a couple of really great plays where a second baseman had to just dive up the middle to make a double play, which is nice. We heard Willie Adamas say it's nice to be able to go back to showcasing his instinct and his athleticism. We did see something that we had predicted in a previous episode, which is somebody bringing in left fielders into the right infielders. We saw the Red Sox do that sort of shift on Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo ended up walking, but we thought this might happen. We understand they're like testing things out and playing things and seeing what can happen. But I think the Red Sox might end up doing this strategy a lot because they got that big fucking wall at Fenway that's basically like its own outfielder. Yeah, no kidding. So we might see the Red Sox do it a lot, but it does seem like a big risk because it's like, look, if the runner beats the shift, it's basically like what would have been a single, but you just turned it into a double or a triple. So I don't know how much will be seeing that happening, but I don't like it. I don't like seeing it. No, that's funny. It didn't take long. You were like, are we going to see outfielders being moved around in the outfield? And it was like, sure enough. Yeah. Like game two. <laughs> what else? What else did we call that was going to happen? Oh, people heckling pitchers. Oh, yeah. They were they were yelling the countdown at the wrong, making him think he was going to run out of time sooner right. by counting down. It didn't seem to, it didn't rattle him, though. It didn't work. But that's going to be annoying. A bunch of drunk assholes yelling. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's yes. pretty annoying. <laughs> Uh, and then what about bigger bases? We've been seeing a couple more of stolen bases. I don't. We don't really know if it's because of the bigger bases. People are making a big deal out of it. Some are not. I thought that the bases were going to be slanted on the sides, but they're not. They're just straight up and down. So you still have to just kind of touch the edge. But they mm-hmm. seem they seem good. I'm all for I'm all for it. So do we have anything else to say about what we've we'll seen in spring training? I think the the only thing else that I would really want to talk about is Yelly because. Every year, people are like, is this Yelly's comeback year? Is this it? Is this it? And every year, people are disappointed and upset by Yelly. And I think that this might actually be his year back. I think part of why people get upset about it is because our expectations of him are huge because of his huge contract. So anything less than his MVP performance looks like failure even though it actually isn't and he's still a very good player like yeah, yes yeah. He, he's struggling more than his MVP year but you know he's had injury I didn't realize this but he only signed that big contract extension like five days before the pandemic started so he started that extension with a short season with a busted knee with empty stadiums and Yelly is the type of person who likes that fan energy and I think it got him into a mental funk Right, but he spent his off season. He said unplugged. He didn't look at stats. He did some self reflection offline. Made some connections. He talked about how stepping away from all that has kind of cleared out some of this mental hangups and hurdles. And you know, baseball is such a mental game that I don't think we'll see him back at MVP level. But I do think that we'll see him step up as stronger and a stronger leader of the team. From what we can see, his swing looks back. He's looking more solid this year. So. I think Yelly is going to have a great year. He did hit a leadoff home run on the first pitch. It was his yeah. first game. That was pretty exciting to see. Yeah, especially because like, Yelly's back. <laughs> especially because he usually always lets the first pitch go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So 
I think it's good. I think he, you know, he's older now. He has defined what his priorities need to look like. He has lessened sort of the pressure on himself, it seems like. And he seems really happy with where he is in his life. And that makes all the difference when you're trying to play this game. So I'm really excited to see him this year. For sure. And Yelly, put your socks up. I'll pull them up. Pull them up oh, baby. man. Can we talk about some of these pulled up socks? We've been <laughs> you know, yeah. that? maybe we should get into the next segment before we start talking about hot guys. Okay, so the next segment we're gonna do is our sausage race. This is another segment where each of us will choose a Brewers player that we are feeling this week, whether it's something they did on the field, off the field, whether they're looking especially good, whatever it is. We each pick a player and award them our sausage race win of the week. Aaron, who wins your sausage race this week? My sausage race winner is Garrett Mitchell. No question. I was super impressed with what I saw from Garrett Mitchell when he got called up to the bigs at the end of last season. And he is just continuing to hit the ball well and make really impressive plays. He started out hot and he's staying really hot so far this spring. He's hot at the plate. He's driving in runs. As of today, he's hit three homers so far this spring. And he's staying really, really busy out in center field. He's covering a lot of ground and making a lot of impressive defensive plays. He had a really great day on Tuesday. He made this really amazing running catch in the third inning, and then he got up and hit a home run in the fifth. He's just looking really, really good. We've already talked about how cute he is. So, like, this guy is the whole fucking package. I mean, tie a bow around it. Garrett Mitchell. He was my runner-up. Your runner-up? He definitely was. Because okay. you know, he's, he's proving himself a very dependable guy and yeah. he's clutch. And he is also kind of humble. Like when he hit that walk-off in September of last year with the bases loaded and it was like down to the final strike. It, so it had all these pieces to make it super exciting. And afterwards, the first thing he did was just being so gracious and lift up the bullpen for carrying that game because they came back from like five to one. So yeah, stand-up guy, quality choice. What about you, Lisa? Who's winning your sausage race? Since it's not Garrett Mitchell, who's who's winning? I'm dying to know. So the winner of my sausage race this week is our first baseman, Rowdy Telez. Rowdy! Yeah, for four reasons. Let me give you four reasons. Number one. Four reasons. <laughs> Number one, I watched, him, I watched him hit that bomb in that spring training game against the Dodgers. It was like the first crack of the bat at a game that I was at, so I heard it. It was really special. It was awesome. Number two. Uh, he gave me shit when I was getting his autograph, which was funny. He, really? Yeah, he was like uh, three people away from me. He's like, you guys are the last ones. And I was like, Rowdy, come on. You're my daughter's favorite player, which is true. Like my daughter loves him. I was like, we were at the game where you hit your grand slam. And he said, which one? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it. May 4th, you had all those RBIs. He said, oh, I don't, I don't remember. And I was like, oh, we remember. Don't worry about it. And so he comes over and he signs my book. And he was like, well, where's your daughter? And I was like, she's in Wisconsin. <laughs> she's not here. And he's like, that's not good enough. He just walks away. <laughs> Roddy, if you're listening, I do have a daughter. She is your biggest fan. <laughs> I love um, that. I love a guy who just knows how to razz you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three. So apparently he's like a world-class cribbage player. Right? I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, I got very excited just now. So he learned cribbage from his Minnesotan grandma, which makes sense because cribbage is such a Midwestern game. When I found out he played, I was like, dude's from California. What's he doing playing cribbage? And I was like, oh, his grandma's from Minnesota. So like that just makes me really happy. I read that he and Joey Weimer are up at 8 a.m. like dealing cards and playing, which is hilarious. 
What did he say? He said he wanted to play um, against uh, Wade Miley. Yeah. What, wasn't it Wade Miley? Wade, Wade's like, I'm Wade Miley's like, you have to talk about how good you are. You're probably not that good. Oh, <laughs> I want to play cribbage with those guys. Yeah, Sorry, go too. ahead. What's reason number four? So reason number four is that he he's a really unique player in that he had, had the opportunity for the World Baseball Classic to play for three different countries. He's from California. His dad is Mexican. His mom was Jewish. So he's eligible to play for the USA or for Mexico or for Israel. And he chose Mexico because his dad is such a hero and supporter for him, which I think is very sweet. And he also chose it because Urias is playing for Mexico and wanted him to play with him, which is very sweet to me. And Urias is acting as his translator for it. Yeah. I think it's just very, you know, it's very special, both like, as a nod to his dad and to uh, heritage, and also I think just like shows the love that these teammates have for each other, like Rowdy and Urias on Team Mexico together. Like I can't wait to see it. I'm definitely rooting for Mexico in the I am WBC. too. Ah, mm-hmm. awesome! That's a great pick. So we're gonna move on to our next segment, which is called Zing Boom Torero. and this is gonna be a recurring segment where Lisa and I each highlight great pitching. That's the zing. Great offense, that's the boom. boom. <laughs> and a great defensive play, that's Torero, which, by the way, actually means something that you celebrate. So we'll start out with the zing. Lisa, what was your favorite zing moment in the first couple of weeks of games? Mm, so I don't have a lot to go on here since spring training just means a guy will only usually see an inning or two. But I did love that Woody had two strikeouts in his spring debut against the Mariners. And... I think he probably would win the zing just because I was excited to see Woodruff pitch. Finally, it felt like it took forever to get him on the mound. So he wins my my zing. Yes, I feel the same way. I have him here as well. But since you've already said it, I'm going to go with Abner Uribe's debut. He was fucking electric. It was amazing to watch on March 2nd. He had two strikeouts. Fastballs were topping out at 101, and his slider is over 90 miles an hour. I didn't know what to expect, and I was completely blown away by seeing him pitch. So thanks for the heads up on that, because that is somebody to fucking watch. Yeah, for sure. sure. All right, so that's the zing. What's your boom? My boom was Garrett Mitchell hitting those two solid homers in the Cactus League opener because I was there, and it was awesome. He gave the team some energy, some momentum. Being in the crowd for that first one was really awesome, and I loved it. Sent shivers down my spine and just, like, was everything baseball that I needed in that moment. Awesome. Love it. Mine is um, Rowdy Tellez. He hit a huge, huge solo home run to right in the third inning on February 28th. This, I mean, the sound of the bat hitting the ball was like, boom. He hit it so far, it went over the lawn and it bounced into the neighboring practice field. I mean, this was a fucking bomb. So that's definitely mine because I can't think of anything else that compares to a boom in that yes. way. Rowdy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So zing, boom. And now Terrero, what's your favorite defensive play that you saw over the past couple of weeks? So again, this is one that I saw in person because seeing any play in person is better than seeing any play on TV. Uh, With the shift off, like I said, we've already seen a lot of great infield action. But the play that I chose for my Torero this week was the first game that I was at against the Dodgers where I saw Luis dive up the middle and grab the ball on the back end and flip it to Willie who just aced it to first for it was such an awesome double play to see I loved it that was like fun you could tell the guys were having a good time loving it you could tell they had practiced that play you could tell that 
Urias looks great at second base, just like we said he would a couple of episodes ago. I know it. So, yeah, that's my Terrero. That's awesome. I love that. Mine is from the game on Tuesday. There were actually two really impressive catches in a row. Garrett Mitchell made an amazing running catch at the wall in center field on a sack fly. But the one that I really liked right after that, Bryce Terang made this incredible leaping catch on a line drive hit by Hanser Alberto at the end of the inning. I mean, he leaped into the air and the force of the ball hitting his glove just like pulled him back. And like, this is just one of those catches that you watch over and over and over in slow motion because it's just so athletic and beautiful. And like, just to see him jump up there and like yank that ball down, I was like, fuck yeah. So that's mine. Amazing. Bryce Terang is going to be a superstar for us. Yes. So we're going to move on to our Fielder's Choice segment. This is, of course, where Lisa and I each choose a player who is not on the Brewers team that we want to highlight in this week's episode. So Lisa, who is your Fielder's Choice this week? My Fielder's Choice this week is George Springer, who is an outfielder with the Toronto Blue Jays. And you know that the Blue Jays have been my AL team of choice for the last few years. I just I love their aesthetic. I also have a special place in my heart for their shortstop, Bo Bichette, and I think they're fun to watch. But I've loved George Springer since he was an Astro, and he is one of the very few 2017 Astros that I give some grace to. He is He's an easy pick for this because he's like so damn easy to root for and admire both on and off the field. One of the things I love the most about him is how he advocates for and is a hero to children who stutter because he has a stutter himself. So, you know, he puts himself out there. He's gotten mic'd up on the field before. He's a spokesperson for Stuttering Association for the Young. And for me, you know, who has a young child who struggles with some of these issues and has been in speech therapy and will be going back to speech therapy for some of this, it just it means the world to me that he is able to and willing to put himself out there like that. He also helped set up a baseball clinic for the kids at Sandy Hook after that shooting. And he donated $100,000 to Minimate Park employees during the pandemic. So a stellar guy all around, not to mention a fucking phenom on the field, right? We're talking Mm -hmm. like World Series MVP, two silver sluggers, three-time All-Star George Springer. He's one of those players is like, this is the reason I watch the game. And bonus, he's hella cute. He has like a smile for days. And you just look at him, you're like, that is maybe the nicest, cutest person I have ever seen in my life. Okay, so this is so wild because when we have our sausage race pick where, okay, we've only got so many guys on the Brewers team that the two of us can pick from and we're watching the same games and we're seeing them on the field and we have these, you know, connections with them. But the fielder's choice thing is like there are a lot of men to choose from on 30 (laughs) different Major League Baseball teams. And I swear to you, I almost picked George Springer. This is so fucking weird. (laughs) What are the chances of us picking the same person? I was this close to picking him and I didn't. So like all the reasons you mentioned, obviously so wholesome, very lovable, very charitable and fun to watch and also super cute. Like I can't believe that we almost picked the same guy on our second episode. That's ridiculous. But but I picked his teammate. I picked Kevin Kiermeyer, who is also an (laughs) outfielder for the Blue Jays. He plays center field. Kevin Kiermeyer played center fielder for the Rays for 10 seasons, and this year he's with the Blue Jays. He had some injuries last year, including a hip surgery, and so he only played 63 games, but he's gotten healthy, and the Blue Jays are planning on him being their everyday center fielder. And he's looking really good offensively so far in spring training. He's had five hits, including a triple. So clearly his hip isn't bothering him if he can leg it all the way out to third. 
And what the Jays are really after in his fielding abilities, there have been some renovations to Rogers Center in Toronto, which included lowering the outfield fence. So they need someone who can cover all that territory in center field, and that's going to be really valuable to them. I also read a cute story about him and how he really connected with fans over the seasons that he played in Tampa, including like developing some really strong relationships with a few that he saw at spring training every year. Like he, he like sent some woman flowers when her mother died and stuff like that. He's like, it's going to be really hard to leave. I've like got these great connections and moving from Florida up to Canada is going to be a huge change. And I just thought that was really nice. And that's something that we always try to highlight in players that we talk about is those connections that they manage to have with fans. So yeah, Kevin Kiermeyer, the teammate of George Springer. That's wild. Funny. I know. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I always think we're not on the same wavelength, too, because there's a, <laughs> like, I think we have the same taste. But Oh, and also he's a babe, too. So. Yeah, he has those blue eyes, and you're like, mm. whoa, are those real? Sucker for blue eyes over here. Yeah. Okay, so we love the Blue Jays outfield. Yeah, it turns out. That's what it is. So that brings us to our final segment which is next week's lineup. The Brewers will face the Guardians, Royals, Cubs, Red Sox, and Diamondbacks in their next five spring training games. I am excited for the World Baseball Classic. I am going to root for Mexico because I'm rooting for Luis Urias and Rowdy Telez. I love that they're teammates there. I'm also rooting for the Dominican Republic because that team is stacked. Like yep. the odds are in their favor because that team is a incredible team that I really want to see all those guys play together. So I'm going to like those games. And Willie might make the starting lineup for that, maybe as second base. So can't beat it. Can't be can't beat that. Definitely. I also I'm also very interested in seeing Japan play you darvish shohei otani lars newtbar are all playing in japan and the way that japan plays baseball is just different than the way the u.s plays baseball and i'm not too familiar with it but i know that they're really into small ball they're into small mechanics they're into base running which are all the things that i love the most about the game so i'm excited to watch japan play and see what kind of baseball they can bring. Definitely. It's going to be yeah, fun. That's awesome. For sure. So that about wraps it up for this episode for us. But before we say goodbye, we want to thank again our sponsor for this podcast, which are our friends at Numbers Game. They are a Wisconsin-based company who make fantastic scorebooks that you've heard us talk about this episode and episodes past because we love them. If you don't score games or you don't know how to score games, we highly recommend that you start this season. It is such a great way to experience baseball. It's one of these traditions that's absolutely unique to the game. When you're keeping score, you just notice so much more about the game. You notice more about every pitch, every at-bat, all these little things that we love that make the game what it is. And for newbies, there's a scorekeeping guide included in every book to help you get started. So... Make sure you're ready for the season and get your scorebook today. You can check them out at numbersgame.co. That's numbersgame.co. And if you use the promo code BABES at checkout, you will get 10% off your order and they'll throw in a couple of extra little goodies just for our listeners. So if you are a listener of our podcast and want to help us out, please do a couple of things. First, tell your friends to listen and Wherever you listen to us, whether it's Apple or Spotify or some other format, please subscribe, 
give us a like, leave us a review. It really means a lot to us to be seeing these reviews being written. And I'll just say it also means a lot to see how many people are actually listening to us. We have folks from Wisconsin, from all over the state. We have folks from the East Coast. We have people from Germany. We have people from Mexico. We have folks from the UK listening in. Like This is amazing. We're so glad to be able to be doing this project and sharing it all with you all and just wanted to give you all a shout out and a thank you so much for listening to us. So you can find us on Instagram at at brewers underscore babes. You can find us on Twitter at at brewers babes, or you can email us at brewersbabes at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, babes. Bye, babes. Come to my party if I had one.